Hello and welcome to In The Clock End, an Arsenal podcast. Well, Merry Christmas one and all. And thankfully, Mikel's Tricky Reds gave us the late Christmas present we all wanted with a lovely 3-1 win over West Ham at the Emirates Stadium. Tonight, we'll review the game and all things Arsenal. And joining me for that very purpose is the Arsenal editor. It's Toby. Good evening, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Very pumped after some um, some lovely three points and some lovely uh, pork sandwiches after my lovely Christmas meal. So feeling great. Pork sandwiches and an Arsenal win. What what more could you want? But, you know, Christmas in general, did you have a good one? Anything interesting for us? Uh, do you know what? Well, I, I, I say it was good pork because I was very much in charge of the pork and uh, it's the second year I've done it. Um, so it was a lot of pressure. The meat start, the, pre- the meat prep actually started 48 hours before it was going in the oven um, and I've basically been talking about it non-stop so it's you can imagine it's quite boring for my family to hear uh, and so hopefully not as boring for the listeners and yourself to hear but uh, it went down a storm I got some lovely presents all in all great to see the family had a little in-laws day which was lovely um, where the two families got together I say in-laws are not actually married but because it's the two families of my girlfriend and I uh, getting together was very fun indeed so all in all very, very fun indeed. Feeling particularly rosy and particularly chubby. How about you, mate? Yeah, really good. Really good, mate. We had um, a few nice related Arsenal presents as well. Got myself a pair of uh, bruised banana pyjama bottoms. They were uh, particular favourites. <laughs> yeah, that was off my uh, mother-in-law-to-be and had to have a very awkward conversation of what bruised banana was and obviously didn't have a Scooby-Doo what was going on. But you know, very, <laughs> very, very nice of her, none the wiser. But look, yeah, that's you know, funny. Got... I, I I was going to say I've got a uh, very Arsenal-related uh, present from my. Again, I hesitate to say the mother-in-law, but the in-law side. So my, my girlfriend's mum. It's an mate, right? So I've got this pinny. You know the sort of remake of um, I can't remember which year it was. The remake of the yellow, the away shirt um, that's really popular recently. There's a long sleeve version and a short sleeve um, JVC. Anyway, there's a pinny you can get a cooking apron. And Excellent. it's got TP. It's got TP on it, and um, obviously I'll be cooking non-stop in that uh, for for the next year in the foreseeable. Um, but funny, no, some great Arsenal merch coming through our way. Fair play. Well, you know we are Arsenal Fashion FC, and who knew that we there uh, moved on to pinnies as well. So, <laughs> well, look, with all of that in mind, we've got loads to talk about tonight. Obviously, a wonderful three-one win last night. Um, well, look, we'll go right back to the beginning. We'll talk about the lineup first, shall we? So, obviously, um. No, you know what? I'm going to go straight over to you. Any surprises, Toby, with the lineup we had last night? It's interesting, isn't it? I was debating this a lot beforehand. It was going through my head as to uh, will he stick with some of the sort of preseason elements? You know, like Vieira has been playing pretty well um, at the back. Wasn't quite sure whether Saliba would be back. Uh, Zinchenko was, and if but maybe not quite sure. But I think we really concluded between me and my friends. I think in the WhatsApp group we were talking, and it did feel like it was going to be the usual. 11, but with uh, with Jesus swapped out for Enketia, of course. And actually, it ended up being like that. I think there was rumours earlier on that Saliba wasn't going to make it. But actually, if you look at all the people that were in the World Cup, only Saliba went the distance and he didn't play a minute other than the game. I think it was against Tunisia, I could be wrong. Um, so it's not like he was fatigued. It's not like he had too much really to think to worry about. And he's the kind of player that can slip in pretty well and had a good few days of training under his belt. And he's so... He is so confident and he is so at home, I think, in an Arsenal shirt. I, I don't think it would have taken much for Mikel Arteta to pop him in instead of Bobby Holding, particularly with um, Tommy Asu 
seemingly continuously out. Um, so, so no real surprises, but also uh, littered with a few surprises in the sense that they have all come back from the World Cup and we've got Martinelli, Saka, uh, Saliba, all of them really starting a, lo- a lot sooner than I really thought they would because I thought we'd be here without probably all three of those um, going into uh, the final stage of the World Cup and what we were expecting for the West Ham game. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was probably maybe a little bit more surprised that Saliba came back into the fold straight away. I believe he Mm. only had two training sessions before uh, the West Ham game. I thought maybe we might see Rob Holding. Yeah, only two sessions apparently. And look, Rob Holding had played all of the pre-season games. I did feel for him a little bit actually, thinking that he might get an opportunity to play last night. But I guess the only kind of real surprise was um, Zinchenko being back on the bench. Obviously, he's not played a minute of any of the... Uh, I was going to say pre-season games, but any of the... Uh, re-season. You know, the re-season games, there you go. But um, no, lovely to see him back on the pitch and hopefully maybe we're learning a, a lesson or two there with maybe not throwing him straight back into the starting lineup because, you know, it feels as if there's been times this season where he's been out, we've chucked him straight back in and then we've lost him again. So, uh, but no, excellent to see him back on the bench, especially when... Uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be any sign of Smith Rowe yet. Um, I guess the only other thing to briefly touch upon was obviously um, in the last podcast, you guys were talking about uh, your potential fears of the West Ham front line and the fact that um, Skamaka might be there. But mm. he obviously wasn't there for West Ham, which did us a favour of two. But I was a little bit worried about Mikel Antonio going into the game. But mm. not much happened from that perspective. But there no, we go. I, he... Um... I think he was due to be out, Antonio. I'd read that somewhere, and I haven't validated that at all. But I had read in a few read in a few places that Antonio was supposed to not play. Whether or not Samaka was, I don't actually know. Um, but maybe Samaka sort of bailed out in the last minute or something. I actually am not sure. Um, but it was quite confusing. I thought they'd be out without a couple of players, but um, given the way we played, it ended up not mattering too much anyway. Really. No, absolutely not. And look, we'll dive straight into it then, shall we? So obviously what we've been fantastic at this year, normally we're starting fast and it looked like within five minutes we'd got the early breakthrough. You know, wonderful finish from Saka. But obviously we got pegged back. It wasn't meant to be. There was the the offside. What did you think to that? Um, It was one of those things, wasn't it? I think at first you feel pretty aggrieved. You've seen... All the things you want to happen within the first five, six minutes of a football match with Arsenal and coming back from uh, the World Cup. Will Eddie do any any good? Will Saka be as energetic because he's played so much? Will Odegaard be on it because he hasn't uh, played a match in a very long time? And quite frankly, you know, he's come on. Odegaard, um, uh, what's the through, threads the eye of a needle with this pass? Um, Eddie Nketiah uh, makes a wonderful run. Plays the perfect back heel to Saka, who with his right foot finishes at the near post top corner. I mean, it was just wonderful, really. Uh, the right decision was made. I think VAR is there for a reason, um, as much as it pains me to say. But, you know, Saka did get the touch. I don't know what you think, but it, I think it was quite clear in the end once we'd seen the replay. Disappointing, disappointing although it was. Yeah, it's one of those ones where where you first see it, you think, well, that's clearly not offside. And then obviously you see the little touch and by the letter of the law, look, it is offside. But frustratingly you know it would have given us that start that we needed and would have maybe have settled a few nerves because it did really feel like after that point it did take us a bit of time then to get going again I'm not sure what you felt but 
Mm. I mean, we'll probably allude to it shortly, but obviously um, the great man himself, Mr. Arsene Wenger, was in attendance last night. And um, it did feel like there was times in that first half where I felt like we were playing a little bit Arsene Wenger-style football. You know, that kind of ticky-tacky, kind of looking for that perfect goal. And, you know, Mm. at times I was thinking, come on, boys, just because he's there, it doesn't mean you have to suddenly start playing like the older Wenger days. What did you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when Odegaard's playing like he is, I think it does feel very Wenger. He's a very Wenger player, isn't he? I, yeah, I mean, look, I think there are always going to be comparisons um, of when Wenger did come back as to what kind of performance we're putting in. But ultimately, um, we were pinning them back, whether we were penetrating too much. And I think, you know, we'd, we'd scored a first goal early, unfortunately had to be disallowed. But I do still think we were the better team. We were slightly sluggish at points getting it through the lines, which was kind of to be expected at the beginning of the game, effectively at the beginning of the new season anyway. Um, And look, if we're going to be conceding goals this season, the goals that we have been conceding have been quite clinical breaks um, with a slightly sloppy ending. And uh, that's that's been happening once or twice, but it's been because we're playing so high up the pitch and so well um, that these are the kind of goals we're going to concede. And by and large... Um, that's going to win you football matches. You're going to score more goals than you than you concede, which throughout the 90 minutes and throughout the rest of the season has proved it. You'll get a Man United away every now and then where you do you do concede a bit more on the break when you've got Marcus Rashford finishing like he could and um, those unbelievable passes from Fernandes and slightly dodgy refereeing decisions and all that sort of things. And that's the way Man City lose sometimes. And look, if we couldn't finish our dinner today, having shot uh, God knows how many times uh, over the course of the 90 minutes, it would have been hugely disappointing. But Overall, I still think we were a slightly better team. I didn't really see too much threat. Um, I think having Saliba as a defender gives you that opportunity to play higher up the pitch anyway. Had Rob Holding been on the pitch, I would have been very concerned and probably wouldn't have been able to play as high anyway. So I think goal threat would have come through different channels. Um, what, what do you think about the decision itself, though? I mean, it, it seemed a slightly strange one from a couple of angles and I don't really know what you think. And again, it's one of those that you probably don't overturn, but perhaps it's quite a strange one to give. I don't know what you think generally about the penalty decision. It's tricky because with penalty decisions, I always try and think, right, if I was on the other end of the decision, Mm. what would I want out of it? And I think, again, if you think of letter of the law, it probably is a foul and you know, he has maybe impeded his run, but was it enough to bring him down? I don't know. I think it's a 50-50. But like you say, it's because there has been contact, I don't think VAR can overturn it. And I think with these types of decisions, I think as soon as you give the referee a decision to make, I think yeah. then, I think that's when sometimes you, you've, you're at the referee's mercy and you know, I'm not one of these ones who's massively conspiracy theory, sorry, conspiracy mm-hmm. theory led with regards to referees. But Michael Oliver, if anyone was to give something against us, I think he would be high up on my list. But for me, it was more just the way in which the opportunity came about. You know, yeah. like you alluded to West Ham, they hadn't been in the game. I think... Um, Thierry was talking about it in the Amazon um, coverage, talking about how Gabriel kind of moves maybe a little bit further forward than he needed to. But moving a little bit kind of further on through the play, you know, did Saliba need to make that challenge? You can Mm. see Ben White was coming over. Is he maybe 
gone a little bit gun ho from that perspective. Look, look, he hasn't had a, a lot of football in the last few weeks, and is that just a little bit of rustiness that we saw there? I think it could have been. Yeah, he's, he's had a, he's had a few of those moments. Um, he got very excited against um, Manchester United. He got very excited against. I can't quite remember who it was, but um, there's been a couple of times where he's sort of, I think, in the rush of the blood of a big game, jumped up a little bit. Now, by and large, I think the rest of his game overlooks that. But he's a young defender. Like, he's 21. <laughs> of course, he's going to do that. And I think that's absolutely fine. A bit of a rush of blood. Hasn't played for a long time. Not not too much to worry about, um, particularly, off, of course, over only, what, 16 games we've played so far. He's been pretty much one of our best players and the best defender in the Premier League, probably there or thereabouts. So... No, no real worries there, and certainly a learning curve, perhaps, but but definitely a bit gun ho, and perhaps a little bit of a mistake. And um, when it comes to the decision, I, I'm actually quite impressed by by Bowen, 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 Jared Bowen. I can't remember how you say it. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Bowen, I think. Bowen, 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 Bowen. Um, that's a David Bowie, David Bowie conversation, isn't it? But <laughs> I, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm actually really impressed by the way he tried to stay on his feet. Because at first, I think the first angle, it looked like there was absolutely no contact. But um, I actually think it's an unbelievable spot from the ref and fair play from um, from Bauer because I think what he was doing uh, was trying to stay on his feet and ultimately lost his footing a little bit. And I don't like how if a player has to ride a challenge, even if there's no contact, it, it does impede the run a bit and you never see them given. So I was quite impressed, actually, because I do think it impeded his run a bit. I don't think he needed to make the challenge. I think there was a tiny bit of contact. So it's either a bit of a guess from Michael Oliver or an unbelievable spot. Um, but soft as it was, I think I'd want that against me. Uh, sorry, want that given for me, you know, if, if it was Saka going through and he'd been yeah. touched. No, so, um, and uh, I think what well, the other decision later on in the game, which I think is the second half, we'll, we'll get to that, was was a bit of a guess from Michael Oliver as well in the end. But yeah, we, we'll sure get onto that. No, yeah, I, I get that completely. I think you don't often see the decision given, do you, if the player stays on his feet? So, um, no, fair play to him. I think he did still try and uh, do what he needed to do to create the opportunity for himself. But it's interesting you talk about Saliba. Did you watch the Mikel Arteta, um, doc, not documentary, interview during the week, the one on Sky? I did. Yeah, no, and I he, did. Yeah, really and he, good. And he obviously picked out a moment with Saliba carrying the ball forwards. And I think, you know, if we just kind of wrap up the first half, I think for me, that was one of the most frustrating things. And it, from having them watched what Arteta was talking about during the week, he must have been pulling his hair out as well, because you constantly saw the centre-backs, you know, taking multiple touches, trying to bring the ball forward slowly. We just didn't seem to have that pace in our game. We just seemed to be... When there was the opportunity to play the first time ball, it seemed like we wanted to take two or three touches or rather than, uh, you know, looking to switch the ball, we looked to make a triangle before then switching the ball where it needed to be. And uh, mm -hmm. from seeing what Arteta was saying during the week, that's clearly not the way he wants us to build the play. Definitely not. And um, I think Ben White is really interesting just sort of alongside that and how he always planned for Ben White to be playing in at right back and, you know, bringing Saliba in like that. And that's just clearly opening up how we play. Um, and I think Saliba allows us to do that. But of course, got the athleticism to chase back uh, as and when he needs to. And he always looks so calm when he does it. Of course, we just talked about him being slightly hot-headed going in for a challenge, which is slightly controversial or converse to what we're saying now. But it is interesting how it completely changes how we play. I was just thinking about this last night. Actually, overall, even though obviously Zinchenko, well, one of the concerns going into this game for me was... 
I think the three players that have changed the way that we're allowed to play on the pitch are Jesus, Zinchenko and Saliba. Saliba, because of his ability to play out, his size and his athleticism coming back. Zinchenko, because he can occupy the central spaces, technically sound, helps people effectively become unpressable. And then Jesus, because he can run the channels. He's a threat in behind. He's sort of the spearhead of the Martinelli-Saka relationship. And he's physical, so you can't you can't go push up too high. So this just completely changes the position where we can play. And with Saliba perhaps not being available for today, even though he was in the end, Zinchenko probably not and wasn't. And obviously, Jesus has been out for a while. I was concerned as what that would do. And it actually, it did seem like Eddie and Ketty did a good enough job of being allowed us to getting in behind. Tierney, I'm sure we'll get on to. I know you want to talk about it. Um, Tierney occupying those central spaces to an extent. You know, I think we've got a system in place and those players have probably allowed um, other players that have slotted in to be able to perform better at that level. And I think those other players have changed the way other teams think about us to an extent that this is just the way people will try and play against us, even if those players aren't available. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, especially the last point, talking about how I think teams certainly are giving us more respect. And I was a little bit worried with the fact that obviously Jesus isn't going to be around for a little while, that we maybe weren't going to be afforded the same respects, but you know, West Ham didn't really offer much going forward throughout the game and they did offer us more respect than perhaps what I would have thought they would have done. So, um, look, it'd be an interesting one to see how that progresses. But obviously, towards the end of the first half, I mean, we hadn't really created many clear-cut opportunities and then we obviously then thought we had the opportunity to draw level and with the, um, the penalty. But, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to spend long on it. Obviously, when it was first given, I thought, yep, yeah, penalty. But obviously, replay, that's why VAR is there. But mm-hmm. for me, the most frustrating thing is why did the referee need to go to the monitor? Why did they need to call yeah. him over? What was that about? It's, it's so dumb. Just say in your ear, mate, it's fine, isn't it? Like, I think all the all the right decisions were made on the night, in my opinion. Um, I think all were completely fair in the end. Um and uh, I just don't know why you can't go, look, mate, you've had a bit of a nerve there. Just leave it. <laughs> it's nowhere yeah, right. near his hand. I Absolutely. can see why he might have thought it in the moment. And I do think he might have had that other call in the back of his head. Um, I don't know. But I think, look, this is the thing. I think we've had a few penalties this season. We've started to get a few more decisions. This wasn't one of them in the end. But I think having been given it, I do think just peppering the box, being a team that plays up the pitch, getting respect from opponents, but also getting respect from referees. I mean, look at Granite Xhaka. <laughs> I mean, he's getting complete treat, completely different by referees now. Um, and I think that's because of the respect he's getting within the media, the position in the league. I think it comes as part and parcel of that, but also the consistency of touches in the opponent's box. It's going to happen eventually. I do think there is something to that. I think when you speak to fans who support teams maybe a little bit lower down the league, I think they do say, oh, the big clubs, the top of the table size, they do get the decisions. And I do feel like the last few years, those eighth place finish years, especially, we maybe weren't getting the decisions. So, look, like I say, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think there maybe is something slight, slightly there, slightly there. Yeah, yeah, but... definitely. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bias. Well, sorry, I don't think it's conscious bias. I don't think it's a load of people from the northwest. Although I think that's probably an issue generally. <laughs> but like, yeah. it, it, I don't think that's why. I think what happened was we weren't a very good team. We were relying on the small moments to go our way. And when they didn't, it really hurt. And um, we had teams with a uh, Granite Xhaka who wasn't respected and he was a bit of a hothead. We had David Luiz in the team. We had Nicola Pepe at times who uh, had some questionable decisions. And I think just overall, there was a narrative that 
managers could build up of you know Arsenal don't like it up and this is what something Gary Neville or much of the day would say continuously and it's just this narrative that just plays on and it's just almost it's easy not to give Arsenal a decision because uh people will agree and and um you know, people, it's like, oh, it's David Luiz or it's Granit Xhaka, of course. We, we need to do something because it's clearly they've done something wrong. It couldn't possibly be anything else. And um, I think change that narrative is, is again, something that's a uh, huge credit to Mikel Arteta. Um, I think there's probably a few things that go into that. Probably a whole pod, podcast on that, to be fair. Um, you know, taking Granit Xhaka out of positions where he's susceptible to playing in the left-back position and having Bernardo Silva running at him um, and all sorts of things like that. So I think, uh, yeah, all in all, it's um, been a huge, huge change of tide. Well, look, so obviously, second half, this is the good bit, okay? Imagine, you know, you're having your Christmas dinner. We had a, a, a disappointing starter in the first half, but then we got onto the good stuff. We got onto the the meat and the meat, veg and potatoes in the second half, you know? So, look, that second half performance, obviously, amazing, fantastic, completely different to the first half. But going into that second half, I think what is fantastic for me this season and you know I've not felt like this for a long long time is going into the break I weren't worried that we weren't going to then come back into this game they said on the coverage last night that we've only been behind three times all season which seems madness doesn't it when there was a period of time where it seemed like we couldn't do anything but concede the first goal in a game and it did feel like we were chasing the game for a Mm -hmm. number of years so obviously, look, we got back into it really quickly. I mean, maybe a little bit of luck, shall we suggest? I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Erdegaard. That yes, I am. Okay, I'm going to completely <laughs> change. What I'm going to say that I he don't think there's it. a, I don't think there's <laughs> any way that he meant that. But look, obviously, you've got to take the luck when you have it. And Saka was alert. He was aware. Wonderful first touch and a super composed finish. And for me, the World Cup seems to have given him even more confidence moving into the second part of the season. What, go on, tell me what you thought about that goal. It's really interesting touching that and the sharpness and the confidence coming back from the World Cup. And um, firstly, I think, you know, he thread the eye of the needle a few times in this game. Uh, this was an accidental one, but he still did it. <laughs> and I think, I think we've seen, he has got like a bit of a scuffing of a shot with his left foot in the, in the, it's in definitely his not there. his first it's, time, is it? No, Let's put it that no, way. No, but I think Saka's probably known that and uh, <laughs> got himself in the right position. No, look, great, great touch from Saka to react. He put him in the most perfect position to slot it away. That is not easy to pick up a shot, take a touch to put that perfectly on a plate for him to slot past Flappy Hansky. And um, I think it was an unbelievable finish, to be fair to him. And it was interesting because like, I guess moving, not moving on to next goal, but just touching on Martinelli when he gets to it too. Like, I don't know about you, what sport you played. I, I played rugby when I was younger. I wasn't very good at the beginning and I sort of got a little bit better, but never really great. But like, I played for at like a pretty average club and I was like, I don't know, 14, whatever. I played for a bit of a better club. And when I played for that bit better club, I got much better. And then by the time I went back to school, I felt top of the world. And then I got to, but I was still quite, I don't know, I felt a little bit out of my depth in this much better club. And then I got picked for the, county and I played a few times of county and I go back to go back to uh, the better club and I felt like the man I felt like a completely different character I felt like and I'm just obviously this is nowhere near a world cup and premier league level sport elite elite sport but what I'm saying is I always thought that I thought Saliba Saka uh, Martinelli would be going to these tournaments and coming back feeling like the man they're young players and are really still breaking through in some ways 
And um, I think we're seeing them feeling like the men. Like they are, I mean, Martinelli, that second goal, that finish, I think I didn't expect him to play anywhere near as much as he did in the World Cup. And he's being raved about in Brazil. And, um, you know, he's had a better tournament than Vinicius. He's had a better tournament uh, in, in some eyes than Rodrigo. People are calling him to come on as like the first sub. And uh, these guys are just like the confidence and they're kind of like, they're like two new captains coming to the team. And um, I think Saka really proved that with, with his performance and this goal, like he's just coming in sharp. That finish was so confident. And I know he's actually, his finishing has been something not questionable, but something he could definitely work on as a 21 year old. Right. And um, I mean, great finish. Yeah, he's certainly one of these players where I think a season ago, if he's given that opportunity, I'm not confident he's putting that in the back of the net. But now, given that opportunity, the composure, the finish, you know, he puts Fabianski on his ass. Fantastic. And you just seemed, again, how do I put it? I guess the atmosphere at the Emirates Stadium this season, we all know it's been unbelievable. And the stadium, even before that goal, seemed to be behind the team. And obviously after that goal, atmosphere then kicked in and up another gear. And then from that point onwards, I was never worried that we weren't going to win this game. And obviously the mm. second goal, you alluded to it already, it came very, very quickly. Martinelli playing with confidence, like you say, near post finish. Should Fabianski have done better? Probably. You know, it's a very tight angle, but look, you've got to be putting yourself in those positions to score that kind of goal. And look, good on him. Like you say, he's playing with confidence. He's gone for that little cheeky near post finish. Would he have done that a year ago? Maybe not. So 2-1, happy days. Absolutely. I think he meant it too. Like it was an absolute rocket of a shot. It was some, I saw someone on Twitter do a little thing about it. I can't remember who it is. I feel bad now, but it was somebody else's work that I'm referencing, basically. Um, but they've said um, that it's, it's all futsal works. You know, he comes from a futsal background in Brazil. Yeah. The quick one-two within his own feet, the push out, and then the knuckleball hitting back of the ball. I think it was Tim Stillman. I, think, I can't remember. Back of the ball, bosh, in the bottom corner without even thinking about it in a flash. And um, no, an unbelievable finish and a guy that's just insanely confident at the moment for several different reasons and just looking stronger and stronger by the day. Um, is this is this the goal that, that party started when it was a tackle from Rice? So the I can't remember which one that was. So I think the first goal was when yeah, so Partey won the ball very yeah. high up, up the pitch, and and then we've obviously taken it back down the other end. This one, uh, no, was it Saka? No, the third goal was when Saka won the ball back up yeah, high. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure too much about what happened in the build up of this one. I think it was uh, more for me just about the finish because it was more mm. of an unusual one, like you say. Yeah, it's one of these ones where I think. I was expecting him to try and put it across the guilt, across the goalkeeper, you know, but yeah. so, fantastic finish. And look, 2-1, playing with confidence. Eddie Nketiah joins the show. So look, like I alluded to a second ago, Saka wins the ball back high. And that's exactly what I love about this team at the moment. There doesn't seem to be anyone who's not going to put the graft in. I guess, you know, Arteta's not going to let them play unless they do put that graft in. But mm. this goal, you can talk about the build-up. It is all about Eddie Nketiah. And look, coming into this game, Eddie Nketiah was under pressure. There is large portions of the fan base that do not think he is the man to lead us through this period. You know, there's people crying out for, we need to get a striker in the transfer window. Eddie must have been under a huge amount of pressure going into this game. And look, I'm not going to say that he had the perfect game. I'm not going to say that he gives us what 
Jesus gives us. But you look at his record, and I think they alluded to it on Match of the Day last night. 11 starts at the Emirates Stadium, 11 goals. It's Mm. frightening, his consistency. And he does seem to give you the goal you need when you need it. I don't think he's the answer long-term. If you've got Jesus, if you've got Enketia, both there, I'm going to pick Jesus every day of the week. Mm. I think he gives you so much more in terms of what Arteta wants. But if you want an out-and-out, in-the-box goal scorer, I don't think there's many number twos in the Premier League that are going to do it as well as him. And what a finish. He, he doesn't even look up the awareness that he has in the box to know exactly where he is and finish so coolly. Mm. Oh, I was, I was drooling. Oh, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's not only to know where the goal is, it's the speed and awareness to know where the defender is. All the way the time the ball is coming to him, he's got to shift his body one way, take a touch the other. It looked like... Um, the knee and right finish, the sort of low centre of gravity, the speed of the feet and the slotting into the bottom corner. I mean, any other striker in the league, including Haaland, does that. We are drooling over it for weeks. And um, look, I, I, we seem to be measuring Eddie in a different stick, right? I think because when he started, uh, his first game for Arsenal was in the League Cup game and he won the game within a few minutes from two corners. And it seemed like he was going to be a super sub. He's kind of got all the traits for it. He's quick, quick feet, quick feet um, can finish anywhere. And so he's like, right, is he going to be our super sub? And as our number two, he kind of pushed him into that mould. And, and perhaps that's unfair. You know, every time he starts, he seems to bag. And um, he, he grows with confidence. But also, when he starts, he plays in his position. I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me. But it does seem that 99% of the times he's played this season in the Premier League, not surrounded by the Europa League squad, he's playing on the left. And that's not his position. And he's not really expected to score. And it's really difficult to measure him in that way. And uh, he said it in his own podcast. I mean, that was the famous one just before he started a run instead of Lacazette. Judge me on a few games. I can get a good run in, play the 90 minute, you know, start. And um, judge me by then. And you know what? It was probably the best player we had in that last game of, last run of what, 12 games, whatever it was. Um, And look, he's not Jesus. Jesus gives us something completely different. But I think we have to say that I don't think Jesus finishes that chance. I think Jesus would do a hell of a lot more in other areas, of course. I'm not for one second saying Eddie and Kate is better than Jesus. But um, I think he gives us other things. And I think we should really measure him in a different way. Like, I think people were really kicking and screaming about him from... It only takes one or two actions for people to start kicking and screaming on Twitter. And look, Twitter's not the the yardstick of, uh, of, of, of uh, analyti- an analytical uh, measurement, but... I do think people are really quick to jump on him, right? And I think this is probably just an opportunity to, we just have to measure him up against the rest of the team. And um, I think he was brilliant. Like, I don't think it was that great, but in the key time, at the key moment, popped up with an unbelievable finish. And uh, I think there's more he can add. He's still young. Um, he's got all the ingredients to be much better. And I think as long as we get behind him in the same way that we did other players and don't jump on his back when he does have a bad game, you know, let's not forget Erdegaard can have a bad game from time to time. We always forgive him because he's class, right? And um, but he's had to run the team to justify it. And uh, long term, I don't think he'll be the answer. Uh, but my God, if he's our number two, uh, after let's say he's had an incredible next 10 games, Jesus comes back, however long it is. And um, it gives us confidence to start bringing him on and he's Jesus back in and whatever. And who knows what his future is, but he's a very cheap, high quality number two. And I'm really excited as to where it could be. Yeah, and it, it's confidence as well, isn't it? 
I mean, that goal would have done him the world of good last night. You imagine, you know, he wouldn't have got a goal last night, then, you know, goes a few more games not getting a goal. Fans are on his back. It's going to have an effect on you. So the fact he's managed to bag that goal, first appearance, he's, you know, put a few people back in their box and good on him. You know, we would like these guys to do well. He's an academy boy. I know he started at Chelsea, but he's been at Arsenal for a long, long time. So good on him and look, we're going to need him. If we're going to keep pushing, if we're going to keep that number one spot, he's going to have to keep bagging these goals. Please, go on. That's it. Right, we'll move on from that bit then anyway. Yeah. And like I say, Steve can do some editing at that point. We'll have a look to see when that was. That I've was... just got 32 mins. Wonderful. Sorry, Steve. Apologies for Sorry, that. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never had that happen before. I don't know what happened that's there. So, good. Anyway. That's Right, where are we? 3-0. Anyway, right. So, obviously, from that point onwards, 3-0 up, I guess there wasn't really a great deal more to talk about. We controlled the game from there on in. I think mm-hmm. the only thing... Look, I'm probably being extremely critical here, but should we really be going for teams a little bit more at this point? Should we be going for the jugular? I'm just worried that it's going to come down to goal difference at some point. And I think West Ham <laughs> were there for the taking that little bit more, but... Maybe I'm asking for a little bit too much here. Who knows? What do you think to that? I, again, going back to sort of the Eddie and Ketty thing, right? It seems that Eddie has been coming on on the left wing at times where we've already won games. And Arteta's probably going, guys, control the game. He's not really expecting people to be pushing themselves, stretching the game, trying to get into positions and things like that. And I think you know, Vieira came on, Zinchenko came on, two very technically sound players, probably brought on to control the game. And who, who did so very well. So, you know, I think it's all about the three points. Let's just wrap it up. We are six points clear now, I think. And, and I'm not sure who's, I think Man City are playing tomorrow, but it's just so fortunate that we're in that position. Let's just get the three points. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried, I think, about putting people to the sword like that because we know we can. We've put three past people on our first effectively game of the season coming back. So, no, no complaints from me. Although I do, I do love seeing ten goals in a game, of course. <laughs> in the um, but I think the only other thing was just a good save from Ramsdale. Ramsdale had something to do. Uh, really, really nice save at the end there. Yeah, it was good um, to see that he got to continue his little um, holiday that he had at the World mm. Cup. He didn't have a great deal amount to do during the game, did he? But look, I guess that's the sign of a good goalkeeper as well. Obviously, he's got to be aware. He's got to be alert right until the end. And obviously if they put that goal in three, two, obviously gives us an, a nervy few minutes to end the game. So look, can't complain. Three, one, three points, top of the league guaranteed to be top of the league. Now moving into the new year as well with a, a tricky run of fixtures ahead. I don't think Brighton are going to be any easy feat. And uh, obviously after that, Newcastle who seem to be, moving along at some pace. Obviously, the break doesn't seem to have affected them at all. Any other points you want to mention about the game? I guess the only... Um, we alluded to it very, very slightly, but how good was it to see Mr Wenger back there last night? It was. I mean, that was great. News has literally just come out that he's getting a statue next year now. So is that, what timing? Is that, break, is that breaking news, Toby? That I haven't even seen breaking that. breaking news. I know, mate. I think... Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm I'm delighted for him. It was so good to see him back. It's been sad. He's spoken about it a few times, and it is sad that he hasn't been able to, but I'm absolutely delighted he was back, and obviously what an occasion for him to come back, and everybody's singing it in full volume. I, I actually am just buzzing that he got to see such an emphatic Emirates Stadium. It's it's changed so much, and you know, you know what it's like to be there. It's 
the best stadium in the Premier League at the moment. And I think, you know, where else would you want a season ticket? And there was times towards the end of his reign where it, where it wasn't like that. And um, I'm delighted that he can come back and, and see it in such good spirits. There's got to be a role for him somewhere, surely. I wonder what that would look like. Um, like, I, I definitely understand that, we, well, well I mean, at the moment he's at FIFA, isn't he? But yeah, some some kind of ambassador, um, some kind of, I mean, do you know what? Just get him in the transfer market. It's just I, uh, like just sitting along Edu, just like we- weaseling his way across Europe, trying to get people to come and sign for us. I mean, look, it might well be a case that Wenger doesn't want it, but for me, there, there's got to be some place for him there's got to be some role there but look the fact he's getting a statue you know it's criminal that if he would have walked away and not have got a statue eventually I'm, I'm so glad he has one for me it's just Ian right now that needs something and then I will be yeah. uh, pretty happy with the uh, bronze that is lining the Emirates Stadium yeah absolutely so we'll wrap that game up there then obviously 3-1 We'll, uh, we won't move on to Brighton, actually, because uh, I think Steve and Kelvin will be uh, podcasting about that later on in the week. But uh, I guess just final thought on that game, man of the match? Um, uh, man of the match, I just because we haven't had time to talk about it, but I did just want to put a line under and just say how goddamn good Ben White was. And he was incredible. He, his, 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 his positional awareness, the ability to get past people, his passing, his stepping up, his involvement in that second goal I think the one where it was the quick it might be the third actually Eddie's goal where he sort of semi chips over the guy's knee and then slots it into Erdegaard who quickly reacts to put it into um to Nketiah's feet so Ben White just sticking two things up to Steve Holland and going yep I'm still this good and I think he feels at home at Arsenal and it was quite heartwarming and particularly with that whatever he's gone through we don't know and particularly with that video he sent out onto the Arsenal um, Instagram I think this is his home and I'm delighted for him Yep, certainly no World Cup hangover for Ben White. He looked really at home. He There was no rustiness on show at all no. from his perspective. Just his touch and the way he caresses the ball are just, like I say, drooling at times. And Absolutely. What a good-looking good man he is as well. It, it, ready, ready for Love Island at any time. Ready for Love Island at any time. Maybe that's why he was... Uh, removed from the World Cup squad, you know, because he alludes to the fact he doesn't really like football, doesn't watch football. Maybe he got caught watching Love Island Australia when he should have been studying a game or something. Who knows? I can't say I've got (laughs) any sources in the club to confirm or deny those reports, but... We'll get the nearest ITK to confirm it. You heard it here first, if that does turn out to be true. So look, we'll move on. One good, one bad for the week. So uh, I think Steve previously has thrown you under the bus here a little bit at times and he's kind of put you on the spot. So uh, hopefully tonight you've had a little bit more time to think about it. Should we go with, uh, we'll start off with the one bad and then we'll finish off on a slightly okay. uh, better note. Yeah, you're, James, I've prepared. I've, I have been racking my brain for this. and I've actually Hit me with it. This. So uh, bad is uh, Steve Holland's validation as a coach. I think clearly he's quite <laughs> being at home crying. This could actually fit into one good category, but uh, no, it's bad news for England. Their talent ID is clearly awful and uh, the falling out and the quality of coaching given to someone as, as good as Ben White has clearly been pissed out of the water. So it's very funny. Excellent. My one bad for the week, not Arsenal related actually, because um, there wasn't a great deal of bad Arsenal news recently. Um, why, my one bad is the lack of good modern Christmas songs. And what I mean by that 
is that the fact that obviously this time of year we all listen to Christmas music. It's in the shops. It's on. It's on in the car. It's on when you're seeing your friends and family. And um, we've been listening to the same probably. 80s 90s christmas songs now for what seems forever and um no they were getting a bit boring for me i just want someone to release an absolute banger so uh there you go you didn't realize you're going to be getting christmas song chat today but that was my uh one bad i love uh, it i love it no you're absolutely right maybe we should make one an in the clock end christmas in the clock uh, end christmas song oh, special, god knows how yeah. that would sound like god knows it, yeah, well, well, we'll have a talk about it afterwards and strategize for next year. <laughs> and look, one good for the week. Uh, we've talked about quite a lot of the good things. Thing. I think so. The one I'll go with was uh, the Declan Rice uh, interview at the end. I, I uh, just the whole vibe afterwards was phenomenal. He, he, um, I don't know if you saw it. He was having an interview. He basically showered Arteta, um, the process, the team with praise. I think it was afterwards actually. But anyway, he was getting interviewed by Thierry Henry and the gang. And he was off. And he was going down one trajectory towards the tunnel. And he saw Arteta speaking to, I can't remember who, somewhere else. He changes direction, walks towards Arteta, gives him a massive hug. They have a, a tiny word. And then he continues on. So let that story unfold. Is that an In The Clock Ends exclusive number two? Do you, are, You're not oh, yeah. suggesting that uh, Mikel and, and Declan have got something going on moving into the... Uh, January or potentially summer transfer window, are you? I, I I couldn't possibly confirm or deny from all of the sources uh, that I have, uh, which can uh, which which are made up of my own eyes and the TV. Um, <laughs> so uh, trust those sources uh, at your peril. Do you know what though? If it was offered to me, and if it was for a good price or at least a sensible price, because unfortunately, mm. I think obviously you got the English tax there. I'd have him. I think he'd be yeah, a, yeah. a fantastic part of the squad. I, I really do. 100%. 100%. What about you? My one good for the week is the yet to be confirmed, but seems to be gathering momentum rumour that Gabriel Martinelli has signed a new contract. Oh, God. I mean, why, why aren't they announcing it? <laughs> there's all these things that are happening. There's too I'll much smoke. There's, there's there too is. much smoke now, isn't there? There's too there much is. smoke. There's got to be the fire burning somewhere. I think maybe they're just looking for a slow news day to uh, release it now. But look, he's going to be so important yeah. with what we're going to be doing moving forwards. And I genuinely feel like he loves the club. He seems to love living in London. And obviously, you alluded to it earlier on. Brazil weren't in the World Cup as long as we all expected, but I think it would have been a fantastic experience for him. And uh, I can only see him moving from strength to strength moving forwards. So, Absolutely. Marcinelli, I love you if you're listening. So look, uh, finally, we will finish off with a few listener questions. So you reached out on Instagram earlier on, Toby. Do you want to mm. fire a quick few over for us? Let's, let's, do, let's do one that we'll talk about and then... St- do one or two quick fire ones. So, uh, quick fire one. Arsenal timeline says Enketia on false nine or Emil Smith Rowe as false nine. For me, I've never really understood the Emil Smith Rowe false nine thing. I think we saw it once, didn't we? I can't remember who it mm. was against, but I think uh, for me, Eddie, uh, it seems to be something I can see him doing more. And I think that. Emil Smith-Rowe, I mean, I'm a little bit worried that we'll ever see him again at this point, but I think he offers you more in different positions, whereas Eddie, I think, is more suited. What do you think? 
Uh, I, I could see the attributes there. I think he's an exterior player more than he is an interior. Um, but I think there, I'd, I'd like, to, like, I'd be interested to see it surrounded by good players. But I just don't know when we'd see that. But um, uh, yeah, they're definitely in Katia for now. Um, alrighty, uh, let's do. This is the one we'll talk about because we are a little bit time uh, pressured. But uh, is so Bryn White. That sounds like Ben White says is the current team the best Arsenal team since two thousand four. Oh, interesting question. So I'm going to go ahead and say yes, even better than 2007. I think it's more balanced. I think as a start in 11 and maybe uh, maybe first 15, I would suggest yes. It's just Steve's favourite words. It's just the depth, which makes me think ever so slightly, have we had better squads? But I think as a start in 11 and as a first couple to come off the bench I don't think you can say that we have had a better team actually I think and it's certainly the most excited I've felt about an Arsenal team for a long time I think with a few more pieces added to the puzzle in January I think no questions about it me too me too I really believe that I think we can do something special if it wasn't for that damn Man City who knows what could happen but we'll see it's really frustrating as well, looking at the table today. The only, well, obviously we dropped points against Man United, but the only other team we've dropped points against, they're now bottom of the league, which is rather frustrating. But there we go. Fuming, fuming. United are playing now, actually, as well. Uh, oh, yeah. The What's the score? Uh, it's 0-0, um, but I think they've got quite a poor team. I have got Varane back, but I mean, whatever. But here, them. they're miles behind us. We don't. We want to be. Oh no! Wait, sorry. We can't look up because we're already at the top of the yeah. table. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Any other questions, or are we gonna wrap it up I there, my we, friend? We, we better wrap up. I've got to get downstairs and tend to my tend to my chicken that I'm cooking for my family. <laughs> unfortunately, Just to be completely honest. As much as I'd like to talk about all things Mudrick, I think that will unfold over the next few weeks. Well, you know what? We'll give Stephen Kelvin the opportunity for that. So, um, yeah. look, Kelvin normally does this bit, so I'll. Uh, Ablib here and say thank you so much everyone for listening to the podcast it really is appreciated obviously look share this in your Arsenal fan groups give us a rating on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts look moving forwards we are hoping to be a little bit more regular you know there has been times during the last season and the seasons before that where there's been no podcasts for weeks on ends but look fingers crossed from now on we should have at least one or two episodes a week moving forwards so until we next speak to you, look after each other, look after yourself, and see you later. Goodbye. Cheers, all. Bye.